Welcome to Mill Creek Church in Belleville, Texas, where our worship service is in progress. Today, Pastor Monty Bird continues with his sermon series on the book of Ephesians. And now, Pastor Bird. Join me in prayer, please. Father, as we start our new study this morning in Ephesians, I just pray that you would open our hearts and minds to your truth, that we would embrace it and apply it into our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. As we begin our series on Ephesians this morning, it happens to be my absolute favorite letter from Paul. And Kathy and I were blessed in 2019 to visit Ephesus, which caused my love for the letter only to deepen. I remember standing in the ruins on the corner where you could look across the street and you could see the theater where the riot broke out that was recorded in Acts chapter 19. And it just absolutely made the Bible come to life. It was such a blessing for us to be able to do that. We've had two trips in our life regarding the biblical focus. Uh, one involving Asia Minor and Athens, and then the, our last trip, of course, was to Israel. And the one thing that I think over, over those two trips that I grew in appreciation of is the importance of looking at the letter that you're reading and putting it into the proper context. And my views when I was a youngster on reading things in the Bible is that I, for whatever reason, when I was really young, I would tend to view biblical cities as a backwater. That These were unsophisticated people and unsophisticated places. And of course, that was completely wrong. And at that particular point, I didn't have the education or the background to appreciate the level of advancement in which these societies operated on. And of course, later on, as you get up older, you start having a secular education regarding the things of the Romans and, and the Greeks. But there was a disconnect, I guess, in my own personal life between looking at history from a secular point of view and then not bringing that over to your biblical view as you look at, for example, things like the Pauline epistles. And so having a proper context as we study the books of the Bible is extremely important. And in regards to Ephesus, as we look at that particular city and culture, this was a very advanced society. At the time of Paul's writing, you had a population that was estimated to be about a quarter of a million people. And at that particular point, it was the fourth largest city in the Western world. And it had long been a very important city. It was founded in the 10th century BC. In its history, for example, you had Alexander the Great and Mark Antony and Cleopatra were some of the historical notables that were in Ephesus at one particular point and for certain reasons. Ephesus was a very religious city in the fact that it was a temple city dedicated to Diana. 
Some say that that particular temple was the largest building in the world, and it's considered one of the seven ancient wonders of the world. And you get that impression when you're there and you're, and you're looking at the ruins. In regards to Paul, by the time he penned this letter, had already had a ministry in Ephesus and had success in Ephesus. And back to my reference of Acts 19, if you want to turn there briefly, if you look at verse 8, it says, And he went into the synagogue, and just referring to Paul, went into the synagogue and spoke boldly for three months, reasoning and persuading concerning the things of the kingdom of God. It's when some were hardened and did not believe, but spoke evil of the way before the multitude. He departed from them and withdrew the disciples, reasoning daily in the school of Tyrannus. And this continued for two years, so that all who dwelt in Asia heard the word of the Lord Jesus, both Jews and Greeks. And then if you go on down to verse 18, it says, And many who had believed came confessing and telling their deeds. Also, many of those who had practiced magic brought their books together and burned them in the sight of all, and they counted up the value of them, and it totaled 50,000 pieces of silver. So the word of the Lord grew mightily and prevailed. So God was working in Ephesus post-Ephesians. We know that Timothy was the pastor of Ephesus at one particular point, as well as John. The church there that was named after John at one point was the largest church, the largest building, cathedral in the Western world. Ephesus is one of the churches that was addressed in Revelation. So if you put all of those things in context... This is a very advanced society, an advanced culture, a cosmopolitan city. And I think that that's important as we begin our study of Paul's letter. In addition, the letter to the Ephesians is a prison epistle. If you look at Ephesians 3.1, Paul says, For this reason I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus for you Gentiles. He's writing this in Rome as he's in house arrest. Ephesians 4.1, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling of which you were called with all lowliness and gentleness, with longsuffering, bearing with one another in love. In Ephesians 6, starting in verse 18, Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints and for me, that utterance may be given to me that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains, that in it I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. One thing that I've always thought about with Paul in his prison epistles is, to me, it adds more depth and richness with the words of Paul because he is writing those words, the words of his faith, while he is suffering for his faith. It adds a deeper dimension. 
unfortunately, as we think about being persecuted, and you always ask yourself, at least I do, what if I had to go through that? What if I had to go through that? Would I be faithful? Would I be energetic? Would I be bold? And you see that here with Paul. Paul was never timid in his faith, regardless of where he was or the circumstances in which he found himself in. So that's what you have here in Ephesians. When we think about the overall theme of Ephesians, I wanted to read a quote from S.M. Ball, who wrote a commentary on Ephesians and a very well-known commentary. And this is what he said. The main theme of Ephesians is easy to summarize with the phrase, unity in the inaugurated new creation. So that's the phrase, unity in the inaugurated new creation. He goes on and writes, Paul starts out teaching at some length on the church's unity as it is rooted in God's counsel and then his redemptive accomplishment in the incarnate Son sealed to believers in the Holy Spirit. We see throughout Ephesians the rich biblical teaching of a full and free salvation accomplished by the triune God and received by faith alone. But... Biblical faith is a living faith, which necessarily manifests itself, its presence, through love. In Ephesians, Paul elicits this love in his audience by focusing on encouraging them to, quote, thoughts, words, and deeds that concretely accomplish the, quote, unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace, which is found in chapter 4, verse 3. So with that context of time, place, background, theme, let's open up our Bibles to Ephesians chapter 1. And as we first see the greeting that Paul is writing to the church there at Ephesus, Ephesians 1, we're going to look at verse 1 and 2. Paul says, Paul... He writes, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, to the saints who are in Ephesus, in faithful in Christ Jesus, grace to you in peace from God our Father in the Lord Jesus Christ. And as we look at that greeting, and of course, all letters have a greeting, right? You and I were to write a letter today. You and I would would write a greeting. Letters are nice things to get. I got a letter from a church member that had moved on, and you just don't get letters anymore. So I got home this weekend and had a letter. That letter had a greeting. All letters have a greeting, and this is Paul's greeting to the church there at Ephesus. But I want to focus on one word in this greeting. He says, Paul, an apostle, an apostle. And that's a very important word. It's a word that sometimes as we read the Bible, we kind of get numb to it. And you just kind of gloss over what Paul is saying here as he identifies himself as an apostle of Jesus Christ. But when you look at that word apostle, The Lexham Bible Dictionary says an apostle refers to someone or something 
that is sent. It's derived from a verb which means to send out. It goes on and says, in the New Testament usually refers to someone sent as an authorized agent by Jesus Christ or the Christian community. That word apostle was originally used as an adjective describing a dispatch that was usually made by sea. But that's not how it's used in the New Testament. In the New Testament, apostle never refers to a dispatch or an object. It goes on and says, instead, it is sometimes employed to indicate a messenger. More often, it refers to a person sent out as an authorized agent, either of Jesus or in the early missionary work of a distinguished congregation. This may be related to the rabbinic use of the word emissary or sent one. And if you look at this word apostle and Paul opening up that letter, Paul an apostle, this is a common phrase that is used throughout the Pauline epistles. Not every epistle, not everyone, but a lot. So let's look at Romans 1. In Romans 1, is he the book that we just finished, as Paul addressed the church at Rome. He says, Paul, a bondservant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle. 1 Corinthians 1, verse 1. Paul, called to be an apostle of Jesus Christ through the will of God. 2 Corinthians 1, 1. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God. Galatians 1, 1. Paul, an apostle, not from men, nor through men, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead. Colossians 1, 1. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God. In his letter to Timothy, 1 Timothy 1.1, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the commandment of God. 2 Timothy 1.1, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God according to the promise of life which is in Jesus Christ. In his letter to Titus, Titus 1.1, Paul, a bondservant of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ, according to the faith of God's elect and the acknowledgement of the truth which accords with godliness. Over and over again, Paul identifies himself in the opening of his letters as an apostle. Now, what he's saying is, I am a messenger. I am a messenger of Jesus Christ. Now, if you are a messenger, you are delivering a message and it isn't your message. It's the message of which you were appointed to deliver. And he's saying, I am a messenger for the Lord Jesus Christ. In other words, as he's opening up the letter, he's saying, these are my credentials, but my credentials aren't in my own power or my own intellect or my own logic. I am a messenger of the word of Jesus Christ. This is what Paul is saying. Now, 
He also says that he was appointed by Jesus Christ. If you look at the theme in which he identifies himself through all the Pauline epistles in which he opens up, I am an apostle. He is an apostle not because he nominated himself, picked it, decided that would be a good thing to do. He said, I was chosen by the Lord Jesus Christ. I am an apostle of Christ. Now, let's go to Acts chapter 9. And in Acts chapter 9, as we look at Paul's experience on the road to Damascus, in verse 12, it says, Then a certain Ananias, a devout man according to the law, having a good testimony with all the Jews who dwelt there, came to me and he stood and said to me, Brother Saul, receive your sight. And at the same hour I looked up at him. Then he said, and look at the words of Ananias, The God of our fathers has chosen you. The God of our fathers has chosen you. That you should know his will and see the just one and hear the voice of his mouth. Why? It tells you in verse 15. For you will be his witness to all men of what you have seen and heard. And now why are you waiting? Arise and be baptized and wash away your sins calling on the name of the Lord. Paul was appointed, chosen by the Lord Jesus Christ to be his messenger, his apostle. Now that's really extremely important. And the reason why that's important is, is there are a group of people out there who want to diminish the words of Paul. What they want to do is is they want to say, well, the things that Paul wrote about were his opinion, his interpretation. So frustrating when you read these things. But if you think about that, Paul identifies himself as an apostle. We don't have apostles anymore. That's done He said, I am an apostle. I am a messenger. In other words, he says, my words are not my words. They're the words of the Lord. He's saying that he's delivering to you the truth of God. Now, let's look at some verses regarding that. Let's look at what Paul told the church at Corinth in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 37. This is what he wrote. If anyone thinks himself to be a prophet or spiritual, let him acknowledge that the things which I write to you are the commandments of the Lord. Kind of sums it up, doesn't it? He's saying, I'm not coming to you with my opinion. I'm giving you the commandments of the Lord. Let's look at what he wrote the church at Thessalonica, 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 13. He wrote, For this reason we also thank God without ceasing, because when you received the word of the Lord which you heard from us, you welcomed it not as the word of men, but as it is in truth the word of God which also effectively works in you who believe. That's so good, we got to read it again. 
When you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you welcomed it not as the word of men, but as it is in the truth, the word of God. So when Paul says, I am an apostle, I am a messenger, he's not like a preacher. He is an apostle. He's giving you the word of God. I can preach the word of God as a pastor and that's my goal and that's my desire to stay true to the word of God. That's why I like expository preaching because it keeps you focused on the word of the Lord. But I've been in the presence of some preachers that have preached something that's not the word of God, that they've drifted from the truth. But that's not what an apostle does. An apostle is a messenger. He's saying, I am giving you the commandments of God, the word of God. Second Peter chapter 3, verse 14. Look at what Peter wrote about Paul. He says, therefore, beloved, looking forward to these things, be diligent to be found by him in peace without spot and blameless. And consider that the long-suffering of our Lord is salvation, as also our beloved brother Paul, according to the wisdom given to him, has written to you. So also in all his epistles, speaking in them of these things, in which are some things hard to understand, which untaught and unstable people twist to their own destruction. But look at that next phrase. As they do also the rest of the scriptures. The rest of the scriptures. In other words, as we look at the Pauline epistles, it's not Paul's opinion. It's not Paul's opinion. Or as some liberal theologians like to point out, well, that was for then. We have to put that in the context in which the society of which Paul lived. So that was the opinion of Paul at that particular time and at that society. Now you look at the verses that I just read to you. Paul is saying, the words that I am giving you are the words of God. God's word doesn't change, does it? It's eternal. It's everlasting. You look at the destruction that the church has experienced in the last 40 or 50 years as people have taken Paul's teachings on women in ministry, the church and society, as they have diminished the word of God and said, it's just his opinion. It is not his opinion. It is the word of God. And as we read Paul's words, whether we're in Romans or whether we're in Ephesians or any of his other epistles, we look at it as the steadfast word of God that does not change. And as we read that word, then it's very important for us to recognize that that word was given to Paul. He was an apostle. He was a messenger. In other words, he's delivering that word to us. And quite frankly, anybody who believes otherwise is just wrong. They're wrong. The word of God is eternal. It's appropriate today. 
just as it was appropriate when he penned this letter to the Ephesians. That's important for us to recognize. When we have the ability as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, as we have the ability to pick up that word and look and say, what Paul is telling me is valid today just as it was back then. Because Paul didn't choose his job. He was chosen by the Lord Jesus Christ. And I think that's so extremely important for us to recognize that. And for us to realize that the word of God is timeless. And to give it that weight that he says, I'm an apostle, I'm a messenger, and I'm delivering this to you. That's why he opened up so many letters with that phrase. What he's saying is, is saying, pay attention to me. He's saying, pay attention to me. I'm an apostle. I'm a messenger. I'm delivering this to you. It should cause our attention to rise and listen to the word of God and see how that applies in our life. And unfortunately, people have gotten to the situation in life where they look at a particular problem or what a particular church is going through. And you have this expression that's mentioned so many times. Well, I feel, I feel. I really don't give any weight to how one feels. Now, granted, I'm sensitive to people's feelings, but not their opinion. If you look at the basic tenets of what Paul tells us to do in his letters, it becomes a very easy situation in how the church should look at salvation. What does salvation mean? And you're going to see this here in Ephesians, is that Christianity just isn't the acknowledgement of a historical Jesus. That's not what this is about. Christianity is life transforming. We're regenerated. Of course, you get that great doctrinal word that we're regenerated. In other words, we're made new. We don't believe in reformation of the old self. We believe that we have a new person in the Lord Jesus Christ. And you see that in his word and you're going to see that in Ephesians. You're going to see my absolute favorite prayer of the New Testament in Ephesians. It's a rich word that is worthy of our attention. And it all starts with this phrase, Paul, an apostle. He's our messenger. Join me in prayer, please. Lord, we come to you just excited that we're able to start a new study and look at the richness of your word and how it applies to us in every aspect of our life. I pray, Lord, that we would dwell in your word, that we'd study your word, and not only would we apply it to our own lives, but that we would be an ambassador of your word, to where we deliver your word to a lost and dying world, knowing that the only solution is Jesus Christ. We give you the praise and the glory in all things. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us as Pastor Bird continues this sermon series. If you wish to hear more, you may find him at millcreekchurch.org or go to sermonaudio.com slash millcreekchurch. 
Prayer requests may also be left at millcreekchurch.org. Our church services are as follows. Sunday morning Bible study is at 9 a.m., followed by our worship service at 10 a.m. We have Wednesday night prayer meeting and Bible study, and they are at 6.30 p.m. For more information and our mission statement, please visit our website, millcreekchurch.org.